Uh, when Ron first asked me to, on behalf of the session, to talk, uh, my initial reaction was confusion. You've got the wrong person. <laughs> I actually really look forward to this Sunday uh, every year and listening to someone share how their faith plays out at work. I've never forgotten Kelly Hendricks' passion for maps, Jill Donovan's path to teaching, Sunny Delay's 80-hour-a-week job at home at, with, as a mom and a homeschool teacher, and Nate Mackey's humble story from a young married grad to CTO, our chief technology officer. As someone who is still fairly young in the professional world, I yearn to hear how others before me have navigated career decisions, they balanced their family life, and kept true to their faith. I'm too young and inexperienced was my first thought. But then I started thinking through my story to date. I have seen God clearly work in my life, and I also know that the struggles I face are struggles that many of you are also facing. So why not share where I am at this point in my career? If anything, preparing for this talk has helped me step away from the whirlwind and remember God's goodness in my life, something I do not do nearly enough. So ever since I was young, I've been drawn to business enterprise. One of my earliest memories was when I got in really big trouble. <laughs> I was five years old and decided I wanted to make some money for myself. I cannot remember if I had something specific I wanted to buy or if I just wanted to see if I could do it. Uh, but I brilliantly decided to start selling Girl Scout cookies to my neighbors around the block. I actually sold a few boxes, and by the time my mother found me, I had five bucks. Um, the only problem was, one, I had no cookies to sell, and two, I was not a Girl Scout. <laughs> yes. I was driven at a young age. Um, yes, <laughs> I got into a lot of trouble, and I learned some really good lessons. Um, since then, I, I can tell you I've sought to make money the honest way. I sell products and services that actually exist. <laughs> So let me tell you a little bit about my background. I come from a family of six, two older brothers and a younger sister from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I was blessed to have parents who modeled walking with the Lord. I always believed, I even have memories as a three and four year old child discussing my beliefs. During my childhood, I learned the typical Bible stories in Sunday school, but never had a fascination with reading the Bible. It wasn't until I was 12 years old and was asked to attend a weekend retreat with a youth group, and I was told I couldn't go due to the cost. It was up to me, once again, to get there. So I worked out a deal with my youth pastor. I tested my blossoming negotiation skills. My pastor agreed to donate $2 for every verse in the Bible that I could memorize and more money for reading a book of the Bible and journaling about it. So, of course, I set out to memorize the shortest verses in the Bible. <laughs> um, but really, while through this whole experience and exercise, the scriptures came alive to me. I read about the constant mistakes made by God's people in both the Old and the New Testament. God stayed with them. He continued to guide them, and he gave them a hope for a new world that is very different than the painful one that we live in. For the first time, I felt a strong peace, the kind of peace that calmed my middle school anxiety. 
So by the time I started looking for colleges, I heard about Covenant College, a private liberal arts Christian school. It was really far away in Georgia, but when I applied, they provided enough scholarship for me to attend. It was the best decision ever. Not only was I surrounded by good people trying to live right and have a good time, I was taught a worldview at Covenant that was very different than what I had heard all throughout my pluralistic public schooling. Love God, know Him, serve Him in all that you do. All careers are equal and that they all can be vessels used to further God's kingdom. Whatever you do, do it for God's glory. I was taught how to think critically, question everything, and push limits. All good skills for any budding vocation. Upon graduation, I worked for a year recruiting students across the country to attend the school with a focus on diversity students. It was a great job, but I had an unquenchable desire to work overseas. So rather than becoming a traditional missionary, I wanted to work in a trade and share my faith while working. I found an organization called ELIC, stands for English Language Institute China, which sends Christian English teachers to universities in closed Asian countries. Their arrangements with the governments were strong and that they did not hide the fact that they send Christian teachers to work in their countries. ELIC required housing, salaries, and other contractual benefits from the schools. But the teachers had to be undercover in their attempts to evangelize because it really was against the law. So I applied in December of 2005, was accepted by the following March, raised the extra money needed by June, and was on a plane by July. They placed me in a small, poor city in southwestern China called Guiyang, small meaning that there were only six million people. <laughs> That's small for China. <laughs> We taught English majors conversational English skills at Guiyang Teacher Training College while attempting to build relationships. It really was a blast. I found that Chinese young people's hearts are so thirsty for the hope outside of themselves. I witnessed God work mightily in Guiyang despite significant persecution against the local believers. It was a place of stark contrasts. The devil had such a clear stronghold and so the Holy Spirit's victories seemed even greater. So during my first long Chinese New Year holiday break, a friend joined me on a backpacking trip around Southeast Asia. While traveling through Laos, I stayed with the ELIC team there and heard about their work. I fell in love with the country and was asked to join a new team they were constructing to begin work in a new city. I finished up my year in China and then moved the following year to Laos, joining a team at the teacher training college in a small town called Paxe. My first two months in Laos were spent in language and culture school. I immediately took notice of a cute, funny guy that I met the prior year. It took no time for us to realize that we were meant to be together. We started in dating in October, we're engaged in January, and we're married in July. It's Andy Gear. I should mention his name. <laughs> the Andy Gear. <laughs> we absolutely loved our work in Laos, but we're strongly encouraged to go home to the States for a year to start our marriage off in our home culture. If you know Andy, you know that he is an avid learner, is thirsty for knowledge, and he's quite talented at it as well. 
we decided to take this opportunity to live in the States and pursue theological training. He had heard of this, very little of this Reformed theology thing, so he looked it up on Google and decided he'd like to understand it more. So I encouraged him to apply to Covenant Seminary uh, just for kicks, and they happened to give him the largest scholarship. So it was a no-brainer. We were headed for St. Louis. We moved here August 15th, 2008. Andy started his Greek studies, and I looked for a job to support us. The housing bubble had just burst, and the recession was beginning to unfold. Nobody was hiring. I tempted, I worked odd jobs, and after long, long months, was connected to a job hunter who got me an interview at Safety National, an insurance company. I was full of energy and optimism and wanted to see how far I could get in the so-called corporate world. Did you know that some insurance lines were started by the Christian church? The Presbyterian Synod of Philadelphia, was for, they formed the first life insurance company um, in, 1970, excuse me, in 1759 for the purpose of protecting its ministers and their families. The Episcopalians, they followed suit a decade later, but I do want to make an important note, the Presbyterians were first. (laughs) In its basic form, insurance is simply the act of compiling money or premiums into a pool so that when an unplanned event occurs, one can draw funds from the pool and not be left destitute. It's really a form of risk transfer. The type of insurance Safety National does is called commercial casualty insurance. We underwrite or undergo a thorough risk evaluation of our clients and then offer insurance products such as workers' compensation, auto liability, general liability, and other professional coverages. Typically, we're looking for companies who are willing to put some skin in the game and self-insure themselves by taking on a large deductible. Enough insurance talk. (laughs) For the first few years, I worked in various roles in the underwriting department. I stuck to working diligently on the tasks given to me and volunteered for extra service activities. I got involved with our company's community and philanthropy committee. What we did is we organized volunteer and giving opportunities for the company. We raised a lot of money for different charities, and we also built two homes with Habitat for Humanity. It was really incredible to be a part of a, to be a vessel really in pointing funding and volunteers towards impactful ministries and charities in St. Louis. I also made some good friends that have become some of my closest relationships today. Occasionally, I've been able to share our hope as opportunities present themselves and encourage others when their faith has grown weak or choked out. Andy and I really love hanging out with them, listening and caring for them, letting them care for us, really sharing our lives together, and maybe, hopefully, the Holy Spirit is planting seeds in their hearts. The longer I worked at Safety National, I got more passionate about what we did and enjoyed learning the intricacies of commercial insurance. I dove into my duties with enthusiasm and was probably what people would call a highly engaged employee. The company offered a tuition reimbursement program to pursue education in related fields, so I decided to go for my MBA, a master's in business administration. 
There are a couple of things that surprise me in my studies. First, I hate accounting. No offense to you accountants out there. <laughs> Sorry, Tammy. But I did really like marketing.、Uh, before then, I thought of marketing as advertising and sales. I had no idea that marketing or business development departments often do the large-scale steering in companies and are involved in the business planning. When an introductory job opened up in the business development department in my company, I applied and I got the position. It was a very different job than what I was doing before. But within a year, I was traveling all over the Midwest and the country. Meeting with clients and brokers, working as an account manager, and developing key customer relationships. After three years, I transitioned to a business analytics position and manage a team of three people. We research, design, implement analytical tools for the company. The challenges I faced managing employees and software systems sometimes seem like more than the challenges I faced in the last seven years combined. It's really hard to not get wrapped up in anxiety and fear over the possible mistakes I'm making, either by making decisions too quickly, too slowly, misplacing priorities, not meeting deadlines, etc., etc. You name it. Andy's really helped to remind me to stand firm, to trust God, and to continually pray for favor in the eyes of my employers. Trust me, I've made big mistakes, and I've also pegged, been pegged for making some big mistakes. Last spring, even our company hosted a golf outing in Florida for our largest clients. A golf ball, a golf ball whizzed past my CEO's head. It was a big taboo, and he was on a manhunt to find out who done it. <laughs> of course, it landed. The trail landed at me.、Um, I was sure I had lost my job. For the record, I didn't do it. <laughs> But I still had to apologize. That's corporate America.、Um, talk about swallowing one's pride. It was really hard. I've also lost some big accounts,、um, some that bring in millions of dollars of annual revenue. It's not fun being the one explaining to our executives why someone chose to leave our company. Being a Christian makes me different. I constantly fight internally to keep my identity in Christ and not in my accomplishments or failures. That makes me a little strange in the corporate world. When I fail, I struggle not to complain, blame someone else, or gossip. A few times, I've been challenged by the Holy Spirit to apologize to coworkers for doing so. I try to be vulnerable and listen and be coachable, but I'm always—I'm not always successful at doing this. Really, my poor behavior often ties back to fears over being judged by others, which really. When really all I need to worry about is being judged by God, but it's it's a challenge. I'm sure many of you can relate. As a Christian, I also find myself trying to stand up for what is right, even though it is not the popular or the easy road. Two months ago, I was working on renewing a workers' compensation policy, and was negotiating with the underwriters, who wanted a premium increase due to a large claim. But the large claim happened to be a result of a cruel and disturbing murder. Not a work accident. Although I know our company will be paying out tens of thousands of dollars for this claim, I put my neck on the line and fought some important people to eliminate our increase because I believed it was taking advantage of a client's misfortune, not their poor risk management. Don't get the wrong idea. Safety National is a fantastic company that pays out on its claims. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be able to work there. 
But to preserve this reputation, it needs people to stand up for what is right. Being a Christian in the workplace means standing up for good and ethical business practices. I do believe that we need more of us in all parts of the workforce to preserve and change society with kingdom ethics. In my particular world, it also means using your position of influence to bring light to dark situations. Our company created a new crisis management benefit for clients as a way of lending a helping hand to those who suffer from catastrophes in which two or more fatalities occur. Sorry, it's kind of dark. That's insurance, though. <laughs> um, we, we deal with this kind of stuff every day. It's, it's a challenge. There's been times when I've asked special permission to activate this particular service, even when the requirements weren't all met, because I knew how helpful this service can be. Recently, one of my clients suffered from an active shooter situation. Both victims were single mothers, um, and one had a seven-month-old baby on the way. The baby was successfully delivered before the unconscious mother was off, taken off life support a few days later. Uh, our workers' compensation policy will be paying the families and, and the dependents of those mothers until they're fully grown in their 20s, and they'll be well taken care of. That's the beauty of insurance. But in addition, I advocated to invoke our crisis benefit immediately, even though the event did not yet meet all of the qualifications. Our executives granted the benefit right away, allowing the client to get grief counselors on site that very day. I'm hoping that made a small but good difference or impact to the suffering family and community there. But wait, I know some of you are thinking, it doesn't hand on a mother. How could she possibly do that, that role well with all this going on? Andy and I have certainly been busy these last four, four years. We have two beautiful girls, Naomi, who is three and a half, and Lily, who is 11 months. Andy also has a career in counseling, and he's quite good at it, too. He has his own business called Renewal Counseling, and his flexibility is a real blessing because he can stay home part-time to raise our special girls these early years. When we are both working or traveling, our girls spend a lot of time with the Grady's and the Mackey's. I have to make a shout-out. <laughs> Two families here in our fellowship that I hold in awe and cannot even begin to express my appreciation for. Amy and Kelly, you two are fantastic mothers, and I endeavor to raise my kids like you. Do you see kids up there? Okay, good. <laughs> Being a working mom who stays well-connected to my family means that I have to humble myself to ask for a lot of help and spend money on services my mama would never dream of wasting money on. We're always searching for deals and goods and services that reduce time spent on our home and yard in order to maximize our time spent as a family or a couple. We fight hard to keep the social calendar as clear as possible on the nights and weekends that we have together as a family. It's a cost we're willing to spend to stay healthy and connected in the midst of long work weeks. I don't have it all figured out, but here are three things I've learned as a young Christian woman in the working world. And yes, I have three points because Andy went to seminary, or perhaps because of the comedy rule of three. I don't know, your choice. <laughs> Number one, I would say that all work is important. No matter what you're doing, it can 
it, it's just important. Colossians 3.17 was, I believe, read earlier. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Number two, no matter your vocation or status at your job, God can use you to preserve or challenge your workplace culture. In Matthew 5.14, Jesus talks about um, salt. He says, you are the salt of the earth. We really can preserve and flavor the culture that we're in. And number three, I would say character is important. Whether or not anyone's noticing, because God always is, and that's what matters most. Um, Andy often says the phrase, take care of your character and let God take care of your reputation. It comes in real handy when CEOs blame you for hitting their heads with golf balls. (laughs) Just trust. Just trust it's going to work out. (laughs) Um, In Colossians, also it says in chapter 3, verse 23, Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. So in conclusion, number one, never hit golf balls at your CEO's head. (laughs) And two, don't sell Girl Scout cookies unless you're actually a Girl Scout. Um, But really, I want you to take away those three points, and I want to thank you so much for letting me share with you this morning.